0: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: This episode contains audio from an emergency 911 call that may be disturbing to some listeners discretion is advised
2: Mia ran in the room and startled me Mama, I'm scared somebody's knocking on the window and then I jump up hysterically and I was like hold on, hold on because typically Stefan would be right there on the sofa in the living room and I said Mia, where's your daddy? did you see your daddy? she said no mama something's wrong daddy's not in there So I went to the door, and I was like, who is it? One of the detectives broke that news. Stefan was dead. And then they added murder, shot, and all of that just closed in on me, and all I could do was just call on Jesus.
1: It's near midnight in South Georgia. Stefan Edgerton has just signed off his on-air shift at WGOV FM radio, eager to get home to his wife Hilda and their three children. Stefan's a prominent DJ and musician with a large fan base who know him best by his nickname, Juan Gotti. He's alone as he makes his way the short distance to his car outside the radio station studio. It's a remote location, bathed in darkness, barely visible from the empty highway. Suddenly, from the bushes next to the building, a dark figure emerges and fires a 38 revolver three times. Stefan collapses. But what the shooter doesn't know as he makes his escape into the woods is that his victim is still alive. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries. Death of a DJ.
0: January
3: 20,
4: 2012, 23, 53, 15. Uh, Lance County, 911, emergency.
5: What's your Lance? emergency? I'm at the radio station, v eighty four. i just been shot three times. Come help me, please, Jesus.
3: Okay, you at the radio station on 84? Yes, I'm dying. Please get somebody out here. Okay, please. sir, I'm going to get someone to you. Wait, radio
1: a desperate and tragic 911 call comes into the Valdosta, Georgia Emergency Dispatch. The caller is surprisingly coherent for someone who's just been shot three times.
3: I'm going to get someone to you, sir.
5: Do you know who shot you? No. Someone. A white man. Come in, help me, please. I'm dying.
4: I'm losing consciousness. Okay. I'm going to get someone Are you inside of the business? He called 911. I believe it was around 11.53 p.m. stating he had been shot three times. He had been shot in the head and the stomach, and it was a very disturbing call to listen to.
1: Matt Howard is an investigator with the Lowndes County Sheriff's Department in South Georgia.
4: He went on to tell the dispatcher his attacker just walked up to him and shot him. He was asked if they took anything, and he denied that having the attacker take anything from him.
3: Well, Where were you shot at? Can you put the
5: pressure on it? I was shot in the head and stomach. Shot in the head? Oh God,
0: that was real thing.
4: Listening to the 911 call, it's really in a testament to the strength of Mr. Edgerton after being shot like he was. Is
3: there someone else there with you now?
0: I need somebody to quit, man. They are
3: coming to you, sir. As they are coming to you as fast as they can get
4: there. He was able to provide excellent details to the dispatcher, which was crucial at that time frame. He explained the individual had come from the woods and fled to the bushes. He was also able to say he did not know the assailant and described him as a white male, roughly 5'9", slender build, dressed in all black and wearing a mask. Do
3: you think he's coming
5: back? No, that's all Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh.
1: After an agonizing 10 minutes on the phone, help arrives on scene. 41-year-old Stefan Edgerton is lying on the ground near his car.
4: I believe he thought that he was not going to make it. He was in excruciating pain. My heart sinks for him when I hear it. I believe he did a good job of getting as much information to us as he possibly could. Mr. Edgerton was a local DJ who worked the evening shift at the local radio station. I'd heard of him on the radio. I knew he was married, he had three children. He was an active musician in his church as well.
1: Stefan is rushed to the hospital but it's too late to save his life. He succumbs to his gunshot wounds at 12.53 a.m. without providing any more details about the killer. At about one a.m., police officers head to Stefan's home where they wake up his wife, Hilda.
2: So I went to the door and I was like, who is it? And it was such a loud knock. Think about how police officers knock. And I thought, When I looked at them, they looked so gloomy. And when they broke that news, I just had to just fall back in the chair. And and they didn't give me enough time. They just start firing off with all these different questions. Because I know time was of the essence, but I was like, do y'all not realize what you just said to me? I was like, this can't be the right information they're giving me. They have to be talking about the wrong person. I didn't even have time to say why, who, what. I was shocked. The house just started flooding with church people and family members.
1: It was overwhelming. Stefan and Hilda have three children. 13-year-old Mia, 7-year-old Christian, and 5-year-old Winston. After learning about her husband's midnight slaying, Hilda has no time to process the loss before she has to tell her kids that their father is gone forever.
2: I actually waited for my pastor to come, and he drove over, and probably about nine that morning, we took him in Mia's room, and we all had prayer. Then that's when I was able to break the news to them and The wail and the cry of the children was just unforgettable. That was one hard day. (sighs) Stefan, he was just always there and hands on. He was the kind of dad that would get on the grill and have everybody play on the trampoline, get in the pool with them. Kind of dad that would sing with them and teach them how to hold a part and do three part harmony. He was that dad that made other kids, because our house was always full of love and laughter, and they wanted to be around
1: Stefan. Hilda and Stefan had been married 14 years at the time of his death. They first met at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church where Hilda's father was the pastor.
2: I was still just a little teenager in the choir, and he was our church musician, and he was going to Valdosta State College at the time. As years progressed, some kind of way with his charm, he asked me on a date. It went from there. We actually didn't date long, and then we were married because he was seven years older than me, and I was 19, and he was 26 when we got married. Hallelujah salvation and glory Oh, I thought he was just the coolest guy. He was so funny. He made choir rehearsals feel like it wasn't hard work. If we train it, he would make a big joke in the mic. He was that minister of music where he made the youth feel comfortable. Stefan was short in stature, About five, six, medium built, he always walked with like this cool, smooth dap. And anybody he walked up to, he would do the manly dap-em-up, cool homeboy greet. Then he's gonna hug you and give you this big Kool-Aid smile. So that was Stephon, he was small in build, but mighty like a giant in personality.
1: In 2005, Stefan goes to work at WGOV-FM, a local radio station, where he broadcasts under the name Juan Gotti.
2: His responsibility at the radio station at his shift was mainly the music to make the music pop. He took it back to the old school, the most popular songs that are out in artists. And he even did a unsigned artist day where he promoted other guys and ladies that were trying to be heard and discovered. So he had a lot of different varieties of what he promoted during his show.
5: My name is Nick Harden. A lot of folks refer to me as Big Nick. Gotti was actually, we were at this same radio station. I was a program director, so I guess I was his boss. He was crazy. I mean, you knew as far as, you know, personality, big personality. He was hilarious, you know, and it's just good to be in his acquaintance. He was good people, real good people.
1: Big Nick was on the air just before Stefan's shift started, and he recalls the last time he saw his friend and co-worker.
5: I passed him coming in, and I blew my horn, he threw up the peace sign, I threw up the peace sign. I don't think I stopped, but I think we just we just kept going. So, you know, like passing and he he went on in, and I kept going.
1: The location where Stefan lost his life is well known to Nick as a remote and creepy area.
5: So it's dark back there, man. It's on Highway 84, which is like leaving Valdosta, and it's like a dirt road you had to go down. The building definitely wasn't well lit, but it's nothing where you're secure, you know, with no cameras. It was kind of spooky. I didn't like to be there at night at all. I'm thinking to myself, why and who would kill Juan Gotti? Like, how? You know, I'm thinking it was an accident or something. Something happened or... We can believe it, man, the whole community was shot, but of course us being right there next to it was, man, it was, it was crazy.
1: There are scant clues at the scene to explain who might have killed Stefan Edgerton. At around 11:45 p.m., he signed off, switched the radio station over to an automated system, then left the building. That's when he was shot.: He so
3: had a 38 revolver.
4: Yeah, we had it. I didn't have this shit. Okay, he had a 38 revolver. I'm sorry. Can I get your name one more time? What is y'all I got a
5: Shot? back yeah.
4: yeah, so like Once the first units got on scene, Mister Edgerton was located on the ground between his car and the front door of the station. They observed a set of keys, a cell phone, a bag of potato chips, a phone charger. Newport cigarettes and a small bag of uh, what they believed to be marijuana. They also noted that his car was in the parking lot and didn't appear to be uh, disturbed or anything. All
5: right,
4: man, we got you let see you. I can say we can rule robbery out because he was in possession of just under $100 on his person. He had over $100 in his vehicle. He himself said that the person didn't take anything from him. They just walked up and shot him, and he didn't know why. So the K-9 units did come into the area. They did pick up a scent and tracked it from the incident location eastward towards the wood line, which led them to a clear cut. The K-9 at the clear cut then began to track northward up to Highway 84 where the track ended. There was some castings of some tire prints that were found in that area, so it's reasonable to believe that the individual either had a car sitting there or there was a car there waiting for him or them to pick up and take him from the area.
1: Investigators canvass the area and stop vehicles, hoping to find a witness who might have driven past the station at the time of the murder. Their effort uncovers a potential lead.
4: A truck driver who was traveling eastbound on 84 near the time of the incident did report a small car with a large rims pass him at a high rate of speed, roughly a mile from the incident location. The car continued down into town right there at the I-75 where they headed northbound. Unfortunately, during that time frame, we had traffic cameras, but they weren't set up to record, so the identification of the vehicle was never able to be determined, so no one was able to be questioned on that.
3: Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Shopping can be a lot of fun, right? But you know what else is fun? Saving money. And Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores, so why not be saving while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Shop brands like Macy's, Blue Mercury, Petco, Nike, Urban Outfitters, Neiman Marcus, and so much more. Here's how it works. The stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Maximize your savings by stacking cash back on top of other deals like store sales and coupons. Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Why not join them? Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app and start saving today. Your cash back really adds up with Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: The death of Stefan Edgerton has all the hallmarks of a targeted assassination. But those who know him cannot imagine who would want to kill this church musician and family man. Is it possible that Stefan was not the intended target? Could it be a fatal case of mistaken identity?
4: When I looked into Mr. Edgerton, I haven't found anyone that spoke ill of him. He was well-liked by everyone he came in contact with. He was loved by his family. So he really had no known enemies that we were able to find. I know there was a rumor of mistaken identity and obviously that could be a theory. However, we had no evidence to point us in either direction on that.
5: No known enemies. Not to our knowledge, you know, so we had disgruntled rappers, you know, and musicians who wanted us to play their music, but <laughs> nobody, you know, like, I don't know nobody that didn't like Gotti. He didn't do anything but laugh. He was always laughing and silly. He was silly. He was so silly. And it was like, man, how could you not like this dude? So we couldn't believe it.
1: The vacuum of leads quickly fills up with rumors and theories. But one possible suspect takes hold with a few officials inside the sheriff's department. It's a
4: drug dealer from another county who goes by the name White Boy. So we did receive an anonymous tip that individuals should be looked at, and they referred to them as White Boy. White Boy was explained to be an African-American male who was light-skinned. The theory was there might have been a connection between Mr. Edgerton and this individual's girlfriend they thought
2: white boy killed Stefan, allegedly Stefan was involved with the white boy's girlfriend. That there was a love triangle and he was jealous
4: because Stefan was going with his girlfriend. During the course of the investigation, this individual's girlfriend, she was interviewed. She stated she did not know Mr. Edgerton other than his radio show. And there was no other leads or probable cause that led us towards white boy.
1: Stefan's wife, Hilda, does her own investigation into White Boy and also comes up empty. I found a few people that knew of White Boy,
2: and I wanted to get information about his character and who he was. Two or three people that responded to me said that he could be upset with somebody all day long if that was the case, but he was not the one to just want to murder somebody. One of the cousins that answered me even stated, just be careful dealing with the sheriff's department because it looks as if they just want to pin it on somebody.
1: If the suspect known as White Boy was involved in some kind of love triangle with Stefan, he's no longer able to talk about it. White Boy was shot and killed in a drug-related homicide not long after Stefan's murder. It's a literal dead end. But the possibility of a romantic entanglement surfaces again. When investigators receive a copy of Stefan's phone log,
2: there was a phone call on his phone log that the detectives did focus on. He talked to someone, which was a female, in Douglas, Georgia, for over an hour and a half before he left out of that building. They questioned that young lady. To this day, I don't know who she is, was her name? I don't know if she was married, did she have a boyfriend? I don't know what came out of that, but all I know, I was told later on down the line, there was nothing leading them to believe she was affiliated with anyone that had
1: something to do with it. Desperate for answers, Hilda mentally replays every encounter and conversation she had with her husband in the days and weeks leading up to his murder. For the most part, everything seemed normal, But there was one strange incident two weeks before that may shed some light on the mystery of his death.
2: Stefan came home one day, and he had a business card, and he kind of flipped it out of his hand on the bed. And I was sitting on the bed, and I said, what is this? What's wrong with you? Because he had such a disgruntled look on his face. And I picked up the card, and I read the name, and it was the name of a sheriff of a surrounding county close by. And took me off guard. So I was like, well, why do you have this car? What's wrong? And his words were like, he came back to see me at the station. And I was like, why would he come see you? You're in some kind of trouble or something. Are you involved in something? What? What, Do you know something? Because it's not that serious to me. He said, I didn't have anything to say to him. I told him I don't have anything to talk to him about. And he said some choice words. And he never came back and expounded on that And to this day, it bothers me because I'm like, it had to be more to that. And he just kept it to himself. It was no kind of fear. It was more so really pissed off. Excuse my wording, but he was mad. Whatever that card was about and that visit from that sheriff was about, it really irritated him. Stefan must have known what the visit was about,
1: but Stefan never made me aware of the details. Stefan's friend, Big Nick Harden, also recalls some unusual activity at the radio station where they both worked as DJs, and he wonders if there was some connection to the murder.
5: It was just not a good working environment. Even before this happened, it just got worse, you know, when all this happened. The station owner, she knew that he had been murdered. She was like, no, I don't want to go to the station. No, I don't want to go. And we're like, hey, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like, why wouldn't you not want to go to the radio station? You know, during this time, you're the owner. So at that time, we were looking at each other like, this is weird. If this happened in my station, I would be so like, you know, trying to make sure all my staff was good, make sure everything, everybody was okay. I would be getting security cameras put up. I would, you know, I would be really trying to change some things, but it just was definitely frustrating because after I left the station, the owner, you would hear just different things, you know, and she would blame others or she would say that this person was involved or it was really frustrating. I mean, because at one point she told the officers that I might have something to do with it. So it was like, you know, she was just throwing our names into the mix. It's like, lady, this is crazy. Like, no. And so we all assume like, she's doing all this. Maybe she's just trying to deflect or she's just trying to make sure that nobody looks her way. I've always thought that maybe the station owner knows or knew more than what was going on. Everything about that station was weird. And you never knew what was going to happen, what
1: was going on. It was just really weird. A decade later, the unanswered questions about Stefan Edgerton's murder still linger.
2: It's been 10 years and it's been an emotional roller coaster. And I often tell myself I know I got to remember the word of God says to have the faith the size of a mustard seed. And I don't want my faith to dwindle. I want to keep that faith that in due time, at the right time, it won't be overlooked and the case will be solved. Just my opinion, the way he was shot, to me, it seemed very much more like an assassination. But the next question is, when we find who did it and we find out why, What are we going to do with that next? So we want the closure. We want to know. But then we
4: got to work through that next set of emotions of learning the why. I'm sure his friends and his family think about this daily. And just like here at the sheriff's office, we haven't forgot about this case. The person that did this isn't the only person that knows this happened. I have a hard time believing that there's not someone else out there that knows this happened. So I'm really hoping that someone will come forward today and provide us just any information they might know that can help point us in the right direction to help bring some peace to this man's family. The kids have
2: struggled. I put them through counseling. I didn't do my counseling until later on because I was so focused on them, but the one that needed the most emotional support that really had a hard time keeping it together was the baby boy. Even more so now, it's come back on him. And I guess because, you know, as you grow older, you start realizing more things that your father's missing out on, and you see your friends with their parents, both parents. It's sad, and I hate it for the family and the kids, you
5: know, especially. It's just so sad that he was taken away from them, and we have no clue as to how, when, why. Just, just crazy.
1: In the wake of their father's tragic murder, Stefan's children have managed to thrive and succeed. Winston, the youngest, has a musical gift like his father and made first chair tuba in the state of Georgia all-state Band. Christian is a recent high school graduate and star football player whose team won the state championships. And Mia, the oldest, is pursuing a Ph.D. in neuroscience and now has a baby of her own.
5: I think he would be so proud He would be that dad of making all the noise, you know, in the stands. Seeing Winston carry that tuba. And then the same with seeing Mia graduate and get her doctorate and Christian graduating, playing ball. And he was the man last year on the football field and academically still doing well. And it's a shame and it's sad that he can't be a part of that. But I'm glad that his legacy is continuing on despite all of this.
2: I don't normally go out there to the cemetery, but I just went out there two days ago and I told Stefan, I know we've been preached to and taught that vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. But what's going to be good for your legacy and for me and these kids is to get that justice right here on earth and make that person be held accountable and exposed for the murderer that they were. And are music was Stefan's life. I gotta have your love. He was music, and ooh, ooh, love, love. I miss his love and his. Personality of laughter in any situation. Uh, I miss his music. Hallelujah. Salvation
5: and glory. Mm-hmm. Love unto the Lord.
2: He can make a joke out of any situation, and I sorry to sound greedy. But I miss his cooking. (laughs) Mm.
1: If you have any information about the murder of Stefan Edgerton, please contact the Lowndes County Sheriff's Office at 229-671-2985 or loungesheriff.com or submit a tip at unsolved.com. Next on Unsolved Mysteries.
4: At 7.39 a.m., a worker named Carrie Turnbull on the Northeast Boulevard Bridge saw a body come down the middle of the river and the body got stuck on the branches of the tree that had been lodged under the bridge. Carrie Turnbull actually told me that if the tree hadn't been there, he couldn't imagine that we would have been able to find her, that she may have gone out to Delaware Bay. I know that happens to people that they never find their loved ones, and I just can't imagine a worse torture.
1: Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Muir Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry Dunn Muir and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lenig, Courtney Ennis, and Bill Schultz. The story producer for this episode was Ann Toller, and it was edited by Paul Yates. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kirk Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks
3: for listening to Episode 63 of Unsolved Mysteries.